0: Hello, and welcome to episode 7 of The AMP, the regular podcast from Ampere Analysis, bringing you the latest business insights, talking points, and research from industry experts in the global media landscape. In this episode, Research Director Guy Bisson is joined by Ampere's Head of Games Research, Piers Harding Rolls, and senior analysts Leia Kunat and Fred Black. Piers first discusses the resilience of the game sector during lockdown, drawing upon examples from game publisher Activision Blizzard. Layer, then goes on to talk about the effect of lockdown on advertising revenue for commercial TV groups in some of Europe's biggest markets. Finally, Guy speaks to Fred about the current production gap and the longer term impacts on both scripted and unscripted content. You can subscribe to the AMP on ACast or find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. To keep up to date with the latest industry analysis, stay ahead of the curve with the AMP Podcast. <laughs>
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the AMP podcast. We've got a diverse range of topics to talk through today. We're going to be touching on the game sector, the content market and advertising, and looking at commissioning strategies under COVID-19. My name is Guy Bisson. I'm going to be talking to three of our analysts today. We're going to start with Piers, our head of games, move on to Leia, who works in our content markets team, and then talk to Fred about some of the commissioning trends in the wider industry under lockdown. Let's start with you, Piers. You've been looking at a particular company this week, Activision Blizzard. Tell us why you think they're a bellwether for trends in the wider game sector under lockdown.
2: So, thanks very much Guy. Activision Blizzard are a large games publisher and uh, they operate in all the key uh, segments of the market. Uh, They cover all the uh, different platforms with with their titles that they push into the uh, market. They are global in scope. Um, and they operate across all distribution channels. So um, in general, they are exposed to all different uh, dynamics that are occurring in the market at the moment. And their overall performance uh, this quarter has been very strong. And um, we were looking at how how big an impact we thought COVID-19 would have on games companies. Obviously, it has been positive because people have been at home Spending more time playing games and net bookings this quarter are up twenty one percent versus uh, year on year versus uh, the first quarter of last year. So things are looking pretty positive for the game sector.
1: And has the company been doing anything different to capitalize on what is effectively a locked down captive audience?
2: So um, you know, there's there's more people at home, more people playing games. Uh, more engagement, so more time spent in-game playing games. And some companies, I think, are just taking that on board, taking the increased um, activity and uh, taking advantage of that. But some companies are being more proactive. So Activision Blizzard has been proactive in trying to build its audience more significantly during this time. Um, And it's uh, I guess it's a unique attribute of the game sector, that um, the game's content and the ability to be flexible in the approach that you can take with games content, especially in in kind of service environments, so games that are you know constantly updated over a, a period of months and years, um, it's possible to tweak the content that's available at any one time um, to engage with different audiences and to push more content into the market. It's fairly unique for the game sector, uh, I think. Um, so in that, in that context, Activision has been doing some unique things, both in terms of the content output cadence. Um, so for some of its games, it's been updating uh, those games more regularly in terms of the different events that it holds in-game. And it's also been uh, pushing different gameplay mechanics into specific games to engage a broader audience, which is really interesting, actually. So in its uh, casual games, for example, Candy Crush is one of its biggest uh, mobile games and one of the most popular casual mobile games globally. Uh, It's made um, those games offer unlimited free lives for users, where previously it would limit the amount of lives that you could use and then you'd have to go away and wait for those to refill or you would have to buy new lives um, it's, it's opened that up to a bigger audience because I think it feels that more people are playing those games and it wants to take advantage of that uh, engagement so that's really quite interesting.
1: We're going to be talking about uh, TV later and um, one thing that's particularly hit the TV industry is of course the shutdown of production and, and studio lots. Um, what impact is that having on the release of games um, near term, but also uh, what 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 impact are you thinking is going to come online uh, longer term in terms of the release of new titles?
2: Yeah, so the development of games, um, I think fits fairly well with the kind of distributed um, production environment that we've got at the moment. I mean, there's a few elements within uh, the production, The production processes, things like voiceover, motion capture, um, those more physical elements where you have to be in close proximity to other people. Obviously, it's a bit of a challenge in in the current situation. But I think they, longer term, they'll work through those uh, different processes um, to make them safe and overcome those challenges. Um, Short term, there has been some disruption because I think as, you know, those games that were about to be launched into the market suddenly have everyone working from home. Obviously there's been this, um, you know, there's been this amount of disruption, which has meant, has, you know, has meant a few delays coming into uh, the market for some games. But I think, you know, the most important season for releases, certainly in the console and uh, the sort of AAA, what we describe as the AAA, so the very high end uh, products that come into the market uh, is the end of the year. And I expect there to be not, not a significant impact on, on, on those titles coming into the market. Um, so overall, I think um, the shift to a sort of working from home production environment has actually been relatively easy for, for the game sector. And that is, you know, again, different from other entertainment um, areas, obviously. So no long
1: term impact, as far as you're concerned, on on not,
2: not to the future to releases. The pipe, yeah, not to the pipeline. I mean, uh, most of the Activision Blizzard themselves said they didn't feel there was going to be any major impact on their big titles, but coming at the end of the year. And I think that's been echoed by other companies, uh, other games publishers, which have uh, reported their earnings uh, over the last few weeks.
1: So a lot of a lot of positives for the games industry, at least. Um, but I believe it's it's not all rosy um, and advertising has been one area where at least growth has been hit uh, within the wider game sector. What, what's going on now and how does that compare maybe to other sectors like TV, which has taken a hit?
2: Well, I mean, generally, um, advertising is a relatively small chunk of the, the kind of value chain, I would say, for games. Um, mobile gaming is probably the biggest category of the market where there is, uh, you know, significant chunk of the revenue is from is from advertising. Um, Activision Blizzard in its results, it uh, reported that its Q1 um, advertising revenue growth was up seventy five percent, but that it's seen significant slowdown in growth in in April, which is kind of unsurprising, I would say. And in that context, um, obviously the wider uh, mobile games industry I think will have been hit uh, by the drop in advertising. but then on the flip side, um, these mobile games they spend a lot of money acquiring new users through advertising in other in other mobile games in effect uh, you know they're one of the biggest spenders of, of um, mobile games advertising um, and it, uh, it, on that so of flip side of the argument, obviously, they are benefiting from the cheaper um, user acquisition that um, a drop in advertising um, rates would would give them. So there's pros and cons in that context. But I would say overall, you know, uh, the game sector is relatively underexposed to the um, the drop in, in ad revenue, which we're seeing across a broader sort of uh, entertainment market.
1: Interesting. So we've got a strong sector that seems to be benefiting from lockdown at least. Um, And the area that has been hit, advertising, is really a small contributor to the overall revenue pie. 75% growth in Q1, you said, for advertising for Activision there. I'm sure a lot of TV companies um, would give their right arm for growth rates like that right now. Um, Leia, you've been looking at a few of the commercial TV groups in in some of the big European markets and it's certainly true to say that their advertising revenue has taken a big hit as a result of the lockdown and of COVID-19. What are you seeing out there in the market?
3: Um, yes, indeed. Um, so commercial broadcasters have um, considerably been impacted across Europe um, and it's reflected in the Q1 2020 results which have been published so far. Um, so I've looked at France, uh, where the main, two main commercial broadcasters, which are TF1 and MSIS, um, have each seen a 9% drop um, in their TV advertising revenue for the first quarter compared to um, last year's Q1. Results. Uh, So that was 341 million for TF1 and 203 million for M6. Um, in the first quarters. Uh, So the main factor for that is the postponement and um, cancellation of um, advertising campaigns Uh, that's directly um, linked to the pandemic and the lockdown measures um, in the market. So we are seeing a similar story in Spain. Uh, So the two main commercial broadcasters, which are Atres Media and Mediaset España, have also reported reduced advertising revenue for their Q1. Um, And Mediaset España, uh, revenue dropped by almost ten percent from two hundred and thirteen million to one hundred and ninety-two million. So that's for the linear advertising revenue um, segment. Uh, which, which is which is interesting to note is that the digital advertising revenue have been slightly less impacted. Um, and for instance, Adtrust Media reported uh, a growth of two percent in the quarter for that segment.
1: Okay, so we've got a few positives in there. Um, digital. Uh, advertising up at least in a small way in Spain Um, but one of the things that we're seeing across the board for commercial broadcast groups in particular is an immediate response to this downturn to cut program budgets and that of course has an impact on the supply chain the wider supply chain and the wider TV market. Um, How significant have those cuts been?
3: Um, Yes. So, the the, the TV groups I just mentioned have implemented cost-cost measures, which uh, include savings on programming spend. Um, So, for instance, TF1 saved $23 in the quarter in programming spend. Um, And MCs uh, said they were aiming to save at least €100 million in programming costs for the full year ahead of us. Um, So, in Spain at media programming spend fell by 16% compared to last year's quarter. Um, and Mediaset España also said they were uh, implementing changing, changes in their broadcasting, broadcast programming to reduce expenses. Um, Nordic Entertainment in Scandinavia also launched a plan to save a total of $70 million for the year. Um, so that excludes portrait costs. Uh, But that will, among other things, impact um, programming and production spend uh, for their linear TV channels.
1: Okay, and I guess what most of our clients will want to know is how long is this going to go on for? What's the longer term outlook for content spend and Mm. for recovery, more importantly, of that spend?
3: Yeah, so uh, as I just said, the future is still uncertain. But um, if we assume that the economy and then the industry starts recovering from next year, um, that would mean that broadcasters are able to start investing in content again. Um, so if we look at different spend types, uh, I expect that the spending sports rights will increase next year. Uh, but that's more of a mechanical effect because major competitions have been either cancelled or postponed to 2021. Uh, So we know that commercial broadcasters are not investing in sports rights to the same extent as, for instance, pay TV operators, which very much uh, focus on sports rights. Um, But then Commercial broadcasters still broadcast sports events. Um, so, for instance, that the case for the EU Euro 2020 uh, football championship, uh, which has now been postponed to summer 2021. Um, so in France, m 6 uh, and media Mediaset in Spain had some of the rights for that uh, specific competition. So that should be reflected in their spend next year. Um, longer term, I don't think, however, that these commercial groups will be um, able to invest exponentially uh, in content because uh, the TV advertising revenue, revenue had already either been uh, growing very slowly in France uh, or even decreasing in Spain even before the pandemic started. Um, so I think what will happen is that they will rather change the way they invest um, and shift away from acquired content. So that's especially the case for US content, because we know that they are now um, focusing rather on single pickups of shows instead of large volume deals, which uh, used to be the norm in the past. Um, And they are increasingly focusing on the production of original film and TV content. Um, So this is something they've already started doing um, over the past few years, and I expect that it will continue in the future as the demand for exclusive local content continues to grow.
1: Okay so we we've got um TV commercial broadcasters following I guess a Netflix type strategy of investing in more uh, original content. Original is very much driving the TV market at the moment. Of course one of the problems with that under COVID-19 is the fact that production across the globe has pretty much shut down and disproportionately impacted is scripted production. You can't really make drama remotely um, in the same way that perhaps you can do some unscripted uh, formats. Fred, you've been looking at the impact of the production shutdown on shows and show output. Um, What are the numbers showing you right now in terms of scripted in particular?
0: Yeah, so the... um production shutdown for scripted content has uh, had a pretty obvious knock-on effect on uh, people's ability to commission new scripted content. Uh, That's been the case really since the beginning of March. Uh, Since that date, we've seen scripted commissioning down around 40% on what we would expect um, over this period. Uh, Certain sectors of the scripted industry are obviously more affected than others. Um, So the big premium titles are more likely to be delayed by this. Uh, Things that require big crews, things that require international travel um, are all kind of completely unable to move forward at the minute.
1: So a 40% decline in scripted over a similar period last year. What about uh, unscripted? I guess that is less affected because at least some formats can be made uh, remotely.
0: Yeah, so um, overall, commissioning of unscripted has had less of an impact uh, from COVID-19. And in fact, um, if we take all unscripted commissions, uh, unscripted is actually slightly up on what we would expect to see um, over this period if we compared it to last year. Um, A large part of that, though, is um, propped up by COVID-specific commissions, So I'm talking about um, self-shot content or content that uh, heavily uses archive footage. Um, Basically the content that commissioners have pulled in in order to fill the gaps in their schedule um, caused by production shutdowns elsewhere. If you kind of remove those titles and just look at the quote unquote normal commissions, uh, Unscripted since the start of March is also down about 27%. Uh, However, the advantage Unscripted has is that you can produce Reality and entertainment content a lot more quickly. So, the bounce back after the COVID restrictions are lifted is likely to be a lot quicker. So, a quicker return
1: for unscripted, but minus 40%, minus 27% when you take out those um, COVID specific shows. That's a very significant impact. I'm personally getting worried about the next season of Antiques Roadshow, which I'm sure is going to have trouble filming this summer. Um, What's the autumn and winter broadcast schedule going to look like, given that um, there is this big reduction across the board in terms of output?
0: Um, so if you add the uh, delayed titles into the mix, we're expecting that up to around two thirds of the new scripted releases, um, in particular, that you would expect later on this year um, have a potential to either be completely cancelled or be delayed. And America is an interesting um, example at this point. So this week, uh, normally we would have expected to see the upfront presentations from the free-to-air networks. Um, However, most of these have been delayed due to COVID-19. So everyone, um, including the advertisers that normally purchase their spots on the back of that presentation, are really guessing at what um, broadcast uh, schedules are going to look like in September, October. So far, the only one we've seen um, is Fox's Autumn Schedule, um, which does paint a pretty stark picture. So there are two shows on there that Fox have held back, um, but were due to release around now, um, but instead they'll air them in the autumn instead. Um, and for right now, they've replaced them in the current schedule with COVID-specific content. Um, they've also acquired a title from a streaming platform, so that's LA's Finest, um, from Spectrum, Spectrum Originals. Um and fox are actually one of the least exposed uh broadcast networks so long as they're three night three nights of sports content so that's thursday uh n f l friday w w e and then saturday um uh, a sort of entire fox sports roundup so long as sport is back and uh playing again by september Fox are actually much less exposed um they've also got sunday uh sunday covered by animated content so that's their long running Titles like The Simpsons, um, Family Guy, um, which ought to be produced as normal, just from home. Um, However, this does kind of show um, how severely exposed the broadcast network's autumn schedules are going to be. All of Fox's new and returning scripted shows, which we would have normally expected to land in September, they've all been pushed to mid season. So nobody's going to see those until 2021. Um, And at CBS, the only uh, networks so far to make decisions on their pilots Uh, they've only greenlit around half uh, slightly less than half as many as they did last year um, while renewing a larger number of shows than you would normally expect so far fewer um, new titles than you might have seen in previous years as well Um, but there are strategies there that broadcast networks can use to cope so we've got um, the acquisition of shows from streaming networks Uh, This is even easier if you have a sister streaming network like CBS and CBS All Access, for instance. Uh, You can hold titles that we were expecting to uh, see in schedules now. You can hold them back to later in the year Um, and you can use animation as well to cover those gaps. So a vastly different uh, autumn winter broadcast schedule um, to what you would normally expect.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like there's a lot of risk exposure there because, as you said, some of that is dependent on sports resuming and and we're still very much in the how are we going to do this phase of bringing back uh, premium football and and, uh, NFL in the US as well, I believe, is looking at how they can resume uh, games out there. At least we'll have Jessica Elba in LA's Finest. Um, Obviously, again what our clients want to know is is how long is this going to go on and, and what is the longer-term impact? Are, are we looking at a fast bounce back, as, as uh, economists are suggesting might happen with the economy when we return out of lockdown, um, and, and how long will this sort of gap in the content supply chain go on
0: for? So um, in terms of unscripted content, which has the kind of more positive outlook here, Uh, The impact is likely to be felt over this summer only. Uh, So we're going to be missing shows like um, The Bachelorette, for instance, um, or Love Island, which has been cancelled for this year on both sides of the Atlantic. Um, All of those shows are either going to air in the autumn or be delayed entirely until next year. Um, But really, Unscripted should be returning to normal by, I would say, October, November. Uh, By then, we're expecting around 80% of Unscripted releases should be arriving as expected. Uh, for scripted, the picture is a lot more uncertain and a lot less positive. Um, it depends also a lot more on how long the delay in production turns out to be because those titles take uh, much longer to produce. Um, but we could see a really significant portion of content being delayed for uh, well over a year from now. Well, that's a significant impact. Thanks for that,
1: Fred. So we've got a very mixed picture this week, I guess. We we heard from peers about how strong the game sector is and how well that is holding up under lockdown, indeed, in some ways benefiting from lockdown. Uh, Advertising very much a different situation that has taken a big impact. The impact has been very fast. um, And Q2, it seems, is going to be even worse. Remember, When we talk about Q1, in fact, the impact of the virus only really affected the last few weeks of that quarter. So more to come in Q2 for advertising and the commercial broadcast space. And then we have this gap, this production shutdown. And while a number of countries, including the Nordic countries, the Czech Republic, and some of the Asian markets are just beginning to reopen their studios and begin TV production. Uh, Fred there is talking about up to a year's impact of that production shutdown. And that's assuming that we come out of lockdown in a timely manner across much of the rest of the world. And perhaps most significantly, Fred, no Bachelorette and no Love Island. What will we do um, this year and this autumn come our expectation for those shows? That's it from us this week. Um, Thanks for listening as ever. Join us again next week when we'll be touching on a number of other sectors and topics that are impacted by this ongoing crisis. Thank you very much.